0: So, first, just thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So, let's start. What's an executive chef?
1: The best way I can put it is if you think of a regular place as far as management, supervisor, and then you have your regular employees. Yeah. Yeah. So executive chef would be the highest supervisor, like the GM
0: of a target. Would he be like the CEO? No. Oh, he's just the GM. Just the GM. Like he generally manages the kitchen. Just the
1: kitchen. Exactly.
0: Mm. So I know the kitchen's like its own little world. Is there hierarchies? Is it like the army? Like you have lieutenant, captain. Exactly.
1: So if you go back to like the modern days, like especially like back in the day when you had people like, Mark Pierre Paul and Chef Gordon Ramsay, they use brigade, So they introduced their kitchen as a brigade. Okay. So when you go into it, it's like, okay, I'm the executive chef, and then I have my brigade behind me. Okay. So the brigade would be, it's funny enough, oddly enough, it wouldn't be a line cook, it would be a brigade of chefs. So it would be a chef like me running under somebody like him. But it's me, that might be... Good enough to be an executive chef somewhere, like low-key, like a cheesecake factory or something like that. But okay. Under him, you're just a line cook, mm. so to speak.
0: Because
1: you don't know enough.
0: You don't know enough.
1: Exactly. But you know enough to be able to run something like a cheesecake factory. On or a smaller level. On a smaller level,
0: exactly. So what's the pinnacle? What's the goal for most chefs? When you say, you know what, I've made it.
1: Everybody is different. So, I know for me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to get in a level where I'm legendary. I want people to... I want to be a household name. I okay. I want people to think, when they think of cooking, they're like, wow, Chef Courtney Harris. Okay. I know Chef Courtney Harris, or I've eaten his food before, or I know him on a personal level. But Chef Courtney Harris is a household name. He is a master chef now. He knows his stuff. He wants to be, you know, I want to mentor under him, you know, things like that. So for me, it's like it's more than just cooking sometimes. Sometimes you touch people in a way you don't realize that, mm. you know, you think you can touch them. And it's crazy. Oddly
0: enough, that's you know, one of the reasons why you know, I became a chef. So, yeah. so what is the steps you have to take to jump from executive chef to master chef? Is there a roadmap? Do you create your own roadmap? Is there no is there no equation for it? Is I
1: feel like <clears throat> in order to become at that level, you have to learn under somebody that is at that level. It's like it's almost like if you're a millionaire, well how do you become how do you get more money? Well, you have to become friends with somebody that has more money than you. You know what I mean? So it's almost like you have to learn from somebody that has that knowledge to get you to where you want to be at that point in your life, you No. Know?
0: So it doesn't matter if you went to Cordon Bleu or trained here or trained nope. there. Nope. It's about your experience. It's so not work hard enough for that mission star.
1: How do you get a mission star in a year? How do you become a mission star chef in two years? It's not possible, you know? It took me over ten years to get my first star, and here you are, you know, you come to the game and you are three years in the game and you have three stars? It doesn't work like that. So, it's being oversaturated with fabricated, um, you know, everybody wants everything so fast now. So, it's nobody wants to take the time to actually learn their craft. Whereas me, I took a lot of time to learn my craft and I want to learn more before I can sit there and call myself a celebrity chef or, you know, master chef or anything like that. So, I want to learn under somebody like Marco Pierre White or Gordon Ramsay before I can actually say, you know what, I'm at that level. But I feel like I'm getting there, but I just want to learn more.
0: So is there this board of people somewhere that grant stars? Like little, you know, yes. chef fairies? It's
1: a it's called a Michelin star board. Okay. And what they do is they go to the best restaurant in your city. Okay. Whatever the case is. And they judge you on um, food, of course, ambiance, um, and presentation as far as outside, back of the house, and front of the house. Front of the house meaning, excuse me, front of the house meaning uh, in the front, not in the kitchen, where you are working with your GMs and your assistant managers, things like that. So, plates have to be in the right places, forks have to be in the right places, uh, things like how clean your restaurant is, like, it has to be very pristine.
0: Wait, so what you're saying is, the executive chef overseas, outside, when I come in, if Absolutely. I had see a dirty fork and I Absolutely. say I'm very upset with this, Absolutely. the executive chef oversees that?
1: Absolutely. Our executive chef in a great restaurant is the leader of the whole restaurant. He is the, what you call, matriarch of the whole restaurant.
0: Because so, at the end of
1: the day, you're coming to the restaurant to do what? You're coming to the restaurant to eat. So... He is the number one person to talk to, basically.
0: Wait, so does a chef need any kind of... um, Are there classes you guys take with working with people? Absolutely.
1: So, for me, I'll tell you where I started. I went to school in 2003, 2004, something like that. Arts Institute in New York City. And I started there, did my uh, associate's degree with a restaurant in culinary culinary restaurant management, and that's where my career started. So in my eyes, that's where I feel like nowadays it gets lost kind of in transition on translation where most chefs, such as like Marco Pierre White and uh, these master chefs like Gordon Ramsay, they didn't start like that. They started under as a dishwasher and worked their way up. I see. I see. So it's different now where, you know, you go to a trade school and they teach you how to be a chef, and then when you come out, you have this misconception of, when I come out, I'm a chef. But really, truthfully, you're not a chef. We just taught you all the basic tools that you need to know to get into a restaurant or to do what you want to do as a career. But you're not a chef.
0: So where does one start? What's the lowest level? Like the intern? The guy getting the coffee, the bagels in some other industry? Who would that be in the kitchen?
1: Mm. That's like the dishwasher.
0: So there are people who've been to culinary school who wash dishes? Is that Absolutely, what you're... I did.
1: I started off washing dishes. I mean, as crazy as it is. Because <clears throat> I feel like that's important. Because it teaches you to respect the levels of being in the kitchen as you grow. And it teaches you to not lose sight of where you once came from. So you have more respect for whoever comes in that spot and you treat them better as, you know, as you become more of a leader in the kitchen. So you learn how to kind of respect what they're doing as they're doing it. And once you do that, you gain the confidence and you gain respect from them because you respect what they're doing. So,
0: it's interesting you say that because you touched on respect and you also touched on paying your dues. Exactly. Which many people feel is i don't know what the generation group of people that you do i don't know if it's millennials i don't know how you describe them but there are a number of people like you said that aren't used to that and i don't know if it's because they grew up with technology but no one can wait no one has patience no one will work for things anymore it's instant gratification And also that lack of respect for those who came before you, almost. I People want to skip steps, you I know. Agree. And there's this huge debate. I don't know if you've heard of uh, any of these artists like Little Yachty or yes, even, um, who's the one from Jersey that everyone knows? From Patterson oh, with the yes. I? Fetty Wap. Fetty Wap, yes. You know, when he first came out, he said publicly, I don't know any Jay-Z verses. Which, to me, as someone who is now getting money from hip-hop, you know, using hip-hop as a way to change your life, your family's life, um, it's a culture, and it's almost like a lack of respect for the culture. Do you have any kind of thoughts on that?
1: Absolutely. I just feel like, like you said, there's a lot of disrespect for careers now, period. Everybody wants everything so fast. I want it now. getting the money now. And you don't want to work for it anymore. I don't understand that. And even now, I, I feel like each generation does that. But as you grow and you get older, it's kind of a repeat of a once what I used to do. Because if you think about it, you in high school couldn't wait to be grown. And then when you got grown, you're like, wow, I wish <laughs> I went back to high school and did this all over again. But When you get to our age now, I'm 34. So now I'm looking at it in a different light. I'm more mature. I have two kids now. So it kind of levels you out to make you think differently. So now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, you know, when I was that age, I was probably doing the same exact thing they was doing, but I had a little bit more respect. But now that I have more respect for my craft, I'm able to say publicly, like, I don't know it all, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm good at what I do, but I don't know it all. You know what I mean? And I can can say that comfortably and say that I want to learn more.
0: Yes.
1: To become better, you know? And I think that's what separates me from a lot of other chefs in the game that I know that are my age. And I know a lot of other chefs in the game that are my age, and they call themselves celebrity chefs. Well, how are you a celebrity chef? And then how does a celebrity chef pertain to you? (laughs) <laughs> because in my eyes, I have more experience than you do. I have a lot, I have a lot more longevity in, in the industry, and I've even worked with celebrities. But you don't I hate- don't call myself a celebrity chef. I don't even like to be introduced as a celebrity chef. And I tell that to people all the time. I still have a lot more learning to do. I still have a lot more that I need to add to my resume in order to even become an executive chef. If you think about it, you know, because there's a lot that you need to learn before you get to that level. But you have to respect the craft. And in order to respect the craft, you have to learn it from the people that others respect, I feel, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going way too fast for a lot of people. It really is. And people, you don't learn to respect it by getting everything so fast because you're getting it. You don't even know what you're learning.
0: It was given. It wasn't earned. It wasn't
1: earned, exactly. And um, me, I've earned every strike that I've had in this industry. It's 17 years now. I've been cooking since I was six years old on a stool with my grandmother. And now I'm at the level where I'm telling people what to do and how to do it. And people are looking at me and like, wow, that's my mentor. Or, wow, I have a lot to learn. Or, wow, he's inspired me, you know. And that makes me feel good inside. Don't get me wrong, but in my mind I'm like, Bro, if you only knew that I still have a lot more to learn learn myself, and it's inspiring and it makes me feel really good that, you know, people come to me and they're like, wow, you know, what you do is great, and I really appreciate it, and I'm so humbled by it, but there's a lot more that I need to learn to get to where I want to be as a chef, definitely.
0: And I think it's great that you have that balance because you're humble, but you know you have those accolades when you need to... Whip absolutely, them out. Absolutely. So, since you're on Wi-Fi, Coffee Ambition, and we're all about inspiring our listeners, <laughs> whip out those accolades, accolades, because I feel like it's important sometimes. You started from the bottom. The very bottom. You were washing dishes. Absolutely. You were, you know, what else were you doing that you hated to do in the beginning?
1: Being on the line, scrubbing, scrubbing the stoves, and cleaning out the fryers, and Ugh. scrubbing the floors, and yeah.
0: So you start off really there, absolutely, and then you've cooked for whom?
1: I've cooked for a plethora of. Uh, Can you name people. some for us? I wish <laughs> I could.
0: Darn. <laughs> now, do they have you under, um, like yes, I privacy am agreement? Definitely,
1: I'm definitely under a contract and under privacy. Uh, kind of, uh, what do you call those things? Pick um, what you call those. Is
0: things. it a gag order?
1: Not so much a gag order, but like, uh, what it's, do you call that? It's I forget what you call it. It's a um, like a confidentiality agreement.
0: Okay, almost, yeah. So I'm going to ask this question for the beehive.
1: Absolutely. I can give you hints.
0: You can give me hints. Yes. So, have you cooked for the queen of the hive? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you cooked for? Anyone who was on the dream team—not dream team, but like all-star basketball—represented no. the United States.
1: Definitely a few.
0: Abroad.
1: Definitely a few.
0: Definitely a few. Okay. Um, as far as political um, names, any secretaries of states? Any feel the burns? No, I don't believe so. None no. of them yet. No. Hmm. International Front, can you name any of them? I'm sure you don't have privacy agreements with those folks, do you?
1: You know what it is? is <laughs> I feel like this. <laughs> I will say this. Yes. Yeah. I don't blast or blanter about who I cook for for a reason. And it's because I want them to continue to keep coming to me for my services. Okay. And I'll be very honest with you. So, here's one I
0: And you can tell us? I don't want you to get
1: in trouble. Okay. So, I cooked for Kelly Rowland one time as a favor from another celebrity. Mmm. And Kelly Rowland was pregnant at the time, which was a pleasure to me because who doesn't want to cook for a pregnant celebrity? But three days in a row. So, I'm not going to put that out there. So, I love it. I cooked for Kelly Rowland one time and on the second day at... On the second day that I cooked for her, I posted her on my Facebook or my Instagram. One of the two. I think I'm both. I think I posted on both. But the client that I was working for at the particular time, and she explained to me, she says, you know, I understand that you get excited about, you know, working for celebrities, and I understand that, you know, it's fun and you are basking in the moment, but I'm not saying this to make you feel bad or to say that, you know, you can't do it, but I will say this. If you don't post them and you don't banter about who you cook for, you're guaranteed more clientele that way. And honestly, from that, I didn't do it anymore. But the second summer after, I made an extra, like, I want to say 15 the 16000 on top of my regular salary from extra clients that asked me for my services of her. Right. So it's almost like six in one hand, half in the other. It's almost like, what do you want for yourself? So you can go and banter about, hey, I cook for this person, this person, this person, and they might or might not come back to you because uh, they don't want that type of exposure. Or you can keep it to yourself and... You're, you're almost guaranteed that they're going to keep coming back to you because, A, your food is really good, and, B, you're not bantering about, you know, how you expose them to what you did for them and what they ate, and sometimes they don't want anybody to know that. Sometimes they might be on a special diet, and <laughs> they explain that to you, but behind closed doors, you know, they ate a fried piece of chicken, and they didn't want anybody to know that. So why are you exposing that? And, of course, you know, Everybody gets excited and, you know, you cook for a celebrity, but I'm not that type of person to get excited. I feel like I respect them. I respect their privacy. I respect them as a person. They're regular just like me and you. So why would I go out my way to uh, expose them or expose myself with them just to say I cook for them? Then what does that make me? Like, what does it do for me? doesn't do anything for me, really. And truthfully, it might bring the extra people. It might... You might say, oh, yeah, you special because, you know, you cook for a celebrity. But really and truthfully, I'm not. You know, I'm not any more special than anybody else. I just was had the privilege of cooking for a celebrity, that's
0: It's interesting you say that because you basically touched on, you know, the debate between instant gratification and feeding your own ego versus seeing the bigger picture and I think sometimes with us being so involved in social media people sometimes divulge so much information for that instant gratification that amount of likes can I get right here and right now and they don't take into account how that may affect them six months ten months a year from now the legacy they want to you know have no one thinks about that when they go off on you know an internet rant, which they can never get back, because once it's in that world wide web, you have no control as to who sees it, how many people see it, how many times they replay it, how it's used, how it's edited, how it's chopped, mm-hmm. how it's screwed. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and what excites true. me even more mm-hmm. is we have a segment on Wi-Fi, Coffee, and Ambition called the No Ego segment. And I love it because it allows people who are, you know, at the pinnacle of their careers or what have you, To really kind of say, you know what, I'm just like me and you. So the no ego moment is where you just share something that makes you vulnerable. You know, that makes you say, you know what, maybe I fucked up. Maybe I tried this and it didn't turn out. Because our generation already, everybody's winning. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got the latest this. Everybody's got the latest that. Nobody on social media wants to tell you about what they cried about yesterday. No, absolutely Nobody wants to tell you when they're insecure. Absolutely. Nobody wants to post, you know, what they're really driving versus what they rented, you know? Um, So I like to have a no-ego moment that kind of says, you know what, I'm just like my listeners, you know? Absolutely. So do you have a no-ego moment that you want to share? Something that, you know, for you was like, man, you know?
1: You know what's so funny is we... uh, You go on interviews, right? Mm -hmm. And you can have all the answers to every question that that interviewer will ask you. But when they ask you this question, you always stumble. Okay. And that question is, is, what is your weakness? And nobody can ever, ever, ever clearly tell you what your weakness is. Everybody always comes up with their weakness, but they will never clearly tell you what your actual weakness is. And I know for me, it's I have a very bad temper. I will tell you off the bat, right? And that's my weakness. You do something that's very inconsiderate, I get really, really, really mad. And it was funny, I had an interview about a couple weeks ago, and the guy asked me what my weakness was, and I was very reluctant to tell him that I had a bad temper because you never want to tell any employer that you have a bad temper because that kind of lingers them away from hiring you. So... I told them anyway, I have a bad temper. I get mad at when this doesn't go this way, this doesn't go this way, and it kind of hurts because you might take it the wrong way about what I said, but what I really meant in my heart was portrayed differently. You didn't receive the message the right way because, of course, I'm angry at that particular time. So for me, it's like, if you can be very honest with yourself first more than anything you have to be honest with yourself first you have to tell yourself what your problem is then you are able to pass that on to everybody else around you and you should have no problems asking answering any questions or any egos you shouldn't even have an ego because honestly i don't have an ego you know what i mean you can i can be the highest in the restaurant and as you as a line cook or on my brigade if you come and you have a better idea or you tell me that something is better or it can go better guess what? Let's try it your way. If it doesn't work, then we tried it. But if it works or is beneficial to what we're doing, let's do it your way. Because your way is better. You know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. It's not about coming in thinking because you're at that level, I know everything. No, you don't. You wish you did. You think you do, but you don't. You don't know everything. And that's where I feel like, um, you know, when people come and they work for me, they're like, you know what? Yo, you're like one of the best guys I've ever worked for. And for me, it's like, I'm oh, nobody, man. Like, you know, why Why you Why you like working with me? I'll be, I'll, and don't get me wrong. I like taking care of my, I like taking care of my staff. I make lemonade and bread pudding and all that stuff with them. But for me, that's what I feel like it should be done. It's like a relationship. Any relationship that you are into, it's always a give and take. It doesn't matter whether it's with, a life partner, or whether it's with your co-worker, or it's, just a, it's a relationship, so in order for that relationship to work, it's a give and take, you have to give a little to get a little, and in order for anybody to ever want to work for you, you have to give them a reason to want to strive for more, for you, so I feel like treating them in a way um, that they feel so much more, more so of Everybody wants to have a responsibility. So if you give them that responsibility to be better for themselves, and they will, and that's where I feel like that ego comes in. You shouldn't have so much of an ego to cut them short because they're not on the same level as you. Bring them to the same level as you, so they have, so they can pass that on to somebody else, and that's what makes the world go right.
0: I love that. So it's about making those deposits and not always having credits in life. You got to sometimes give. Absolutely. To people, give to situations. Absolutely. Don't always want to take from the situation Absolutely. and have nothing to benefit another person. I'd rather
1: have a million dollars and give you seven hundred fifty thousand of it, and you be okay before I'm okay. Okay. For me, it's all about the return. I'm always going to be blessed no matter what because I'm always a blessing to somebody else. You know, and that's what it's about. You. At the end of the day, we can sit here and we can be about all about self and there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes being about self is what you really need but understand when you're a blessing to somebody else you're always going to receive a blessing and that's wherever you go and a blessing doesn't mean in the monetary uh, form it could be in making somebody's day by making them eliminate or putting your ego to the side and saying hey what's your idea on on this you know topic or How do you feel that we should do this dish? You know what I mean? Things like that. And for them, you might look at it like it's very small for them, but it's really big for them because it's just like, wow, this executive chef actually my idea on a dish on how I should do it, and when I gave it to him, he liked it. You know that he went home and told his mother, his father, his sister, his brother that he had a really good day at work because he gave an idea and the chef liked it. That's what makes a day. You know what I mean? That's what makes my day.
0: So for you, it's deeper than food?
1: Absolutely. A lot deeper than food. Food is secondary to me.
0: Oh. So what do you think is the... What keeps you going every day? What keeps you going back to the kitchen? If Like if... I mean, I, I get the food, but... If the food is secondary...
1: Different, what... two, different, two different realms. Food for me is important. I love food because that's what makes me who I am today. But when you're in the realm of a restaurant or you're in the realm of having people work under you, food is secondary because you already know you're good at it. Now you got to be good at teaching other people how to be good at food. So for me, it's like depending on the situation that you're in, um, that's where the importance of one outweighs the other. And for me, being in a restaurant, um, food is secondary for me. It's more important for me to make sure that you get why this food is for you should be important. For me, it's like, it's more important for me to let you know that you have to get why this food should be important to you. But I already know why it is.
0: Ooh. Okay. I already know
1: why it is. But you need to get why it is. So I'm going to teach you everything I know as to why this piece of asparagus, you should respect it. And only use it in its season. And only use strawberries in its season. And farm the table Well, when are you going to use strawberries? When are you going to use asparagus? Uh, When are you going to use a carrot? You know, things like that. So they understand why they're doing it, why they're doing it, and respect it. But for me, at that point, it's secondary, but it's more important for you to have that information, retain that information. That's what's more important for me. Because now, you get to pass that information on to somebody else. And then for you, at that particular time, food's going to be secondary to you as well. Because first, it's going to come for you to teach that person how to respect what they're doing. Respect the
0: craft, respect it all.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're going to see that I respect my food because my presentation, how it tastes, what it looks like, everything. You already know that I can make a nice dish. Everybody sees it on my social media. It came from me, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, how do I pass that along? And where does it become important for somebody else to want to take pride in the same you know, thing I take pride in and I think that when I became a private chef is when I started to respect my food a lot more I became in tune with myself if you look at my Instagram I didn't get 30,000 followers from anybody else nobody shouted me out nobody said hey go follow this chef nobody Every single follower that I have I got on my own and I worked really hard for that you know what I mean And now for me when you look at my plates and you go back to 2014 you'll see the elevation of my food. You'll see it get better and better and better and better because you're only as good as your last plate. I can't be any more better than what I just produced yesterday. I can't It's impossible. But I don't compare myself to anybody else because there is no comparison. I can't possibly be better than everybody else in the world cooking food. But I can be better than what I did yesterday. I can reduce something better than what I did yesterday.
0: I love that. I love that. You are setting personal goals for yourself. Absolutely. You're not playing the compare game. No. And you're still winning. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's those small victories that lead to the big ones.
1: Absolutely. But then so, the people that have the big victories respect you. Yes what you produce?
0: Now, let's switch gears for a minute. Because my sister went to culinary school as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember her struggle. She came out of school. She felt like single girl, moved to Atlanta where already the ratio is not in her favor. Mm -hmm. Um, Had trouble finding a relationship because she was in the kitchen at the time when most people are socializing. Mm -hmm. So, for yourself, how do you handle... The work-life balance. How do you say, I'm going to get this extra star, but I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a boyfriend, I'm a this, you know, I'm a brother. Um, how do you handle that? How do very, you balance very, that? Very,
1: very, very hard. Very hard. I'll be very honest with you. I do not keep relationships because of that. And it becomes a situation where I get into a relationship and they think that I pick my career over them. And in my mind... I know that I really want this to work and I really want to be there for you. So, I'm a gentleman. I always have been. So, sometimes I go above and beyond to make sure you feel special. And what happens is is when I go above and beyond to make you feel special at that particular time, you want it all the time. And I think that's where I mess up. Sometimes you have to moderate and give them a little, a little, a little bit at a time. You can't give them the whole pie before they can digest it. You know what I mean? And what happens is is, uh, I give them the whole pie and they haven't digested it. And then when it gets to the point where I'm not there as much as I would like to be or they don't see me as much as they would like to see me, it becomes very hard. So it's very hard to balance that. And one thing that I'm a dad of two, dad of three. Um, And I call my kids every day because I want them to understand that what daddy does on a daily basis, he does it for you guys. So please forgive me and I apologize almost every day. I'm sorry every day. Seriously, I'm sorry and I love you. That's the first thing that comes out of my mouth when it comes to when I, when I speak to my kids every day. You know, I'm sorry that I'm not there as much. I really hope you understand um, that I really want to be there. But, you know, when it comes to work and things like that, I want you guys to have the best. I want you guys to have everything that you need so that you don't have to want for anything. And the greatest thing in the world is for my kids to come around and see what I do and get to meet the people that I work for and get to engage in what I do and understand from that aspect to where when I don't get to see them, when I speak to them and I apologize to them and I tell them I love them, they understand exactly what I'm saying and they respect it. But not only do they respect it, they understand. And there's nothing more than understanding your parent when they tell you, you know what? I know you asked for this, but I'm not able to do this for you, and they don't cry, they don't get upset, they don't get mad, they don't get anything, they just say, okay, daddy, no problem, and that's what I respect most of all my kids, they're so understanding of my career, they're so understanding of what I do every day, because I introduced it to them, and they know what I do, they know how I do it, so it is really hard for me sometimes, because, you know, I miss them, I want to see them every day, but I don't get to see them every day, you know, but, uh. I work really, really, really hard for them so that they can have a better life than I had growing up. So that's most important to me, is for me to provide them with a stable home, a stable income, anything they want. I don't want them to want for anything. Um, So that's what's most important to me, is to make sure they always have. So, yeah, it's really hard.
0: So what would you say is he, like, executive chef's schedule, is it a 12-hour day? Is it a 10-hour day? Is it a...
1: So, I'm not even an executive chef right now. I'm a private chef right now. And my day can go from some days is two hours. Other days is 17 hours. Um, it all depends on the day, you know. I do three meals a day, and it could range. It doesn't it's all, it's all in the need of the person or the family. Um, and it can be really rough. You work 17 hours out of the day, you don't get to see anybody. And when you want to go home, you want to rest. You know what I mean? So... It's like it's kinda hard and you get up the next day, you're out before they wake up, you know, and then you're doing it all over again. And that day you can work two hours and you wanna go home and you wanna rest, but you know, you just have to find balance. You have to be able to say, you know what, I'm gonna take this day for myself and I'm gonna spend it with my kids or I'm gonna spend it with my girlfriend or whatever the case is. But you have to find balance to yourself and that's where it kinda brings you back to our first topic of putting in your dues, when you put in your dues, you're able to go into work and say, you know what, I'm just not going to come in today, and you know what, because you put in your dues, and because you put in that time, you taking off that day is, okay, no problem, we all good, you know what I mean, and they respect you more for it, you know, especially for what you're doing for them, so it works two ways, (laughs) your clients will respect you. Because you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna take this time to go do this with my family. And then your family's gonna respect you because and your girlfriend, you're gonna get kudos points because you know what, you know what? Told the date just for you. Just make sure you feel less special inside. And now we're gonna be good. And then maybe we're end in the bedroom. You know, I don't know. You know, it <laughs> happen.
0: Now I'm a female, so do you have any questions for me? Like I consider myself somewhat Of a relationship guru. I'm not in one myself. But I do think I'm an awesome girlfriend. (laughs) And I think I give great advice for guys as to what to do when you're with a lady. So, do you have any questions for me? Absolutely. Shoot. Oh, my goodness. Shoot.
1: All right, so listen. I was just in this relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And... I was doing all of this stuff for this young lady. Stuff like what? Like, I was paying her bills. I was... Bailing her out of things, and she was keeping a secret. I was getting her, I was giving her money to get her hair done. I was giving her money to get her nails done. Giving her money in her pocket, taking her out to dinner. I even, I even. She told me she had a bad day at work. I even lit up the bathroom with candles. Made her a moscato with strawberry in it, with a bubble bath. Made sure she came home to that and a cooked dinner.
0: Okay, sounds like all pluses. Now, where's the... What happens after that?
1: Okay. So, I'm not sure if I expected more of her, or I should have expected more of her. But you tell me...
0: Go ahead.
1: If a man does all of these things for you, and really doesn't ask for anything in return, what would you do as his girlfriend?
0: Now... There are several questions that I have to ask you prior to answering <laughs> this question. So, you were the perfect
1: boyfriend. I you were like the perfect that.
0: boyfriend Initial Like, okay, so did you do these things prior to the boyfriend title? Did you start to do them afterwards? Do you think that you made her pay her dues, going back to that conversation? Did she I... truly pay her dues, or was there something about her that you feel like maybe you were, like, excited to be with her?
1: Okay, so I'll tell you what happened. So she listened to what my needs were in the beginning. Okay. And I said I needed a wallet. And she bought me this nice Gucci wallet, which was crazy to me because nobody's ever bought me a Gucci wallet before. Nobody's ever really bought me anything before. It's like it's really very far in between that anybody ever buys me anything.
0: So, she made sure that she was a cut above. She made sure that she stood out from every every girlfriend that you ever had. Correct. Okay, so she did that, and was that out the gate? That was out the gate. That was out the gate. You knew her maybe?
1: I've known her for a little over 16 to 17 years.
0: 16 to 17 years, but you guys started dating when?
1: Mm, This year.
0: This year? Let's say January? I want to say, yeah. January. January, And then she took this action a month later, two months later? Maybe
1: a month later.
0: So she was officially the girlfriend title?
1: Not really.
0: Okay, so she wasn't the title. She just did this because this is something that she felt felt within herself. herself. This is part of her character. Okay, so she had great character, in in your opinion. In the beginning. In the beginning. Got it. Okay, so one month in, she made this grand gesture that resonated with you. This is the type of woman I need because she's different than everyone else. Okay, cool. And then...
1: Then I did all those things for her.
0: Okay, so you reciprocated.
1: Right. So I'll tell you how it started. So I'm the type of person where how can you be around somebody all the time and feel the way you do for them and then you watch them in need? Got it. You can't. It's very hard. So for me, she calls me up one day and she says, yo, it's so crazy. I lost money. I had to pay my rent. Yada, yada, yada. So... Me being the person that I am, I said, how can I help? Anything I can do to help, just let me know. So, long story short, I ended up helping her.
0: And helping her financially? Financially, yes. Got it.
1: So, I ended up helping her financially, and everything was all good. So, that turned into another situation. She needed help again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I helped her again. Now, in the beginning, you're just like, you're... I love not it. so much as oblivious to it, but... You know what? At the end of the day, if you need help, I'm here for you because I'm, I see that you're different and I want to be there for you because I want to build a relationship.
0: I have to cut you off. Was she giving you orgasms at this point? Yes. Okay, so already your mind is filled with some other stuff. There's like dark mass in your mind <laughs> and that is the orgasm. So you're not thinking completely black and white. Go ahead. Correct. There's gray area and those are those little, you know, there's like clouds of gray area. Called orgasms in your brain affecting your decision making. But that's fine. Go ahead. We've all been there.
1: So, again, for me, it's how can you be around somebody and care for them and in their time of need, do nothing? Or, and that's just not, that's just in general, period. If I see a homeless man on the street and I see you need, I'm gonna give it to you because I see you need it. But anyway, more importantly, she was close to me. So, I felt like, you know what? I need to help her. So, I did continuously and over and over and over and over and over again. And I felt like I was not getting this reciprocation in any kind of way in return.
0: So over time you're you were overextending yourself, just to Mm -hmm. kind of paraphrase. Mm -hmm. And you kind of now resent the fact that you helped so much because you feel like it was taken someone took advantage of you. Absolutely. I'm with you. So where I think and I do not judge because I am the queen Of giving my all to people who don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. I'm the queen of that. But I have learned not to do that. And one thing I realized is that from my previous relationship, this last one taught me a huge lesson. I think in listening to your story, knowing just the bare bones facts, is that you helped her in a way that was, you like put a band-aid on like a broken arm, if you get what I'm saying. You didn't really cause any healing because you need to go to the foundation for certain issues. Like I don't know the nature of how you helped her. But what I do know is that she did it over and over and over again and you did the bailout, which is like putting a band-aid on it. Instead of going to the root of it, which seems that she wasn't the female who had who made the best decisions. So where you where the help didn't necessarily need to be, which was a check or an amount of money or hair or nails, needed to be in saying, listen, let's look at your decision making. Let's look at why you're doing this instead of this. Let's look at why why you're prioritizing this over this. Mm-hmm. And then you say to someone, let me, it's almost like that quote. You can teach a man to fish or you can give him the fish. You give him the fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach him how to fish, he'll eat for for a a lifetime. We've all heard it. I think there was a big banner in my third grade class (laughs) and went around the classroom. (laughs) and I I swear to (laughs) things, I'll never forget it. But But it's so true, right? Because in teaching that man how to fish, when you see them not interested in learning, that's when you realize Mm -hmm. it's time for me to step out.
1: But See, here's the thing, though, is I even brought it to her attention, and I said to her, You know, we need to go over your finances. If you want me to continue to keep helping you, I'm going to help you in another way. Let's go over your finances. What is it that you're paying? What is it that you're doing that is holding you back? How much are you making? What's going on? Because now this is becoming a problem.
0: Now, was she open to that conversation?
1: She said she was. Now...
0: Body language? What did the body language say? What did the body language say? You read the body language. Was she not really... The body
1: language was... But you know what, though? I could never catch her by the ever, because it was always a misconception. She never really said much. She never really did much. You know what I mean? Her attitude towards things was, it was almost like a deer in the headlights in in this relationship. Because she never had a man that actually did all the things that I did for her and treated her the way I treated her. So it was almost like she didn't know how to respond to half of the things that I did. Get it. Totally get it. You know what I mean? But if I'm telling you and I'm explaining to you that, hey, we need to touch some of these topics and some of these ideas so that it can help you for the long run. I know how to manage my finances because clearly I do it very well.
0: Clearly, we are in your <laughs> home right now, and your state of <laughs> the art floor, ceiling, uh, windows, uh, your kitchen is fully decked out with every snack and every drink, and your bar is stocked. And I am very confident that you can handle your finances. Yeah, I can handle my and We're not in a bad neighborhood, know. folks. Let
1: me, let me explain something There's to you.
0: The many luxury cars outside.
1: I was taught by some very, very, very important people in my life how to handle my finances. So I've I've never really been the type of person to pick my wants over what I need, my responsibilities. So when it came to my responsibilities, I always made sure my responsibilities were taken care of before I did anything else. So at the end of the day, I try to pass that on to her. Again, going back to what I said earlier, passing on that knowledge to somebody else. But anyway, we're talking about this. So, when I tried to pass that knowledge on to her, she didn't really want to listen or reciprocate anything that I was saying.
0: There it is. She wasn't ready to receive the knowledge. She just wanted to get the benefit of the knowledge. Absolutely. And at that point, that was enough to cut that chick off. That was it. and And and
1: And I tried. And I did. I ended up doing it. So, you're good. But, here's the thing. I was emotionally attached at this point. So, now... I actually love this girl, and I'm actually in love with this girl, but now we're at a different point. So now, more so, I'm angry about all the things that I've done. Instead of saying, you know what, it's okay, it is what it is, you go your way, I go mine. No, didn't end that way. It ended up bad because now I'm angry. So things I'm saying to you are angry. How I'm reciprocating myself is angry.
0: So When's your birthday?
1: I'm a Cancer. Washington.
0: that is it okay so i'm a pisces so we're not far off and we experience the world through we're water signs right Absolutely. so all water signs experience the world through emotion we literally are um what do you call it like wired to feel and feel means more than logic to us we we can see all the numbers someone can have a graph a chart uh, a testimony in court Somebody can say, I was there. I saw her press the button. She is guilty. We'll be like, no, I don't feel that way. No, my feelings say otherwise. So I have learned to be less feeling. And it's something that you have to learn over time. You have to have a mental light switch, literally. And you have to weigh the pros and the cons. And you have to say to yourself, "In game, right? In game, legacy, goals, all that. Do I see her there? Do I see this job attributing to that? Do I see this family member attributing to that? Do I see this purchase attributing to that? And if it doesn't, hit the switch.
1: But see, here's and the thing it's hard. Now. Here's the thing. But
0: now. you have to teach yourself to do that, and I have done that. And I mean, I am have been emotionally attached to people. I've been giving people thousands of dollars that I will never see again, exactly. and I have no, And I can do nothing about it. Dude, but that's so crazy.
1: That's, what, that's exactly what I just. But.
0: Doing. But my emotional switch now, I mean, I am able, able to turn it. I promise you, I have loved people on Monday. And on Wednesday, I saw the light. And I promise mm-hmm. you, that person could call me today. I wish them no harm, but I promise you, the answer is no.
1: No, absolutely. The answer I, is no. I, I be, okay, so I tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: getting, it's getting deep. It's getting deep.
1: It's getting so. deep. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, is that so, the So I have a or?
1: great I have a great relationship with her parents. But I've known her parents for a while. I have a great relationship with her parents and I have a great relationship with her siblings as well.
0: Okay. Again though.
1: Uh, but see the thing light is, is that the thing is is that because you have an attachment to those people as well, it becomes harder because then those people come around and just like, you know what I'm gonna
0: stop you right there. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna stop you right there because again, In-game, right? Executive chef, household name, budgeting, Mm -hmm. giving your daughter Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars, giving your sister thousands of dollars she doesn't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if I choose not to talk to your daughter anymore because she has bad character, and if you notice her bad character, trust and believe her mom already knows. Her sister already knows. Yo, her cousin so already knows. It was so crazy. So they're they not going to be mad at you for cutting so her crazy. off. So why do you care what her they sibling,
1: think? Her siblings. It wasn't so much that I care what they think. It, it, you know what? I care too much. I care too much. Her sibling even told me listen, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, and I'm not talking about, that you about my sister.
0: Cut that, but. You Uh,
1: need uh, to separate uh, yourself. You need to cut her off. You need to stop doing for her. You need to cut it off and cut it off now. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't listen and I kept continuing to keep doing it because the person in the back of my, the person in my heart was like, you know what? This girl needs help, man. Like, how can I sit to somebody, sit close to somebody and care about them and not help them? But each time I did it, I was just so angry.
0: So there you go. You know the answer.
1: Yes, I do. No, again. And. I knew all the answers already. <laughs> I knew you bullshit a mile away. Believe me when I tell you.
0: It's just you felt it. you know what?
1: I felt, I felt a certain way about her. And I continued to keep helping her because I felt like I cared. But I knew it was wrong for me doing what I did. But I cared. And,
0: and you know what? Where... At the end of the day, I think the creator... Is going to give you favor at the end. Oh,
1: absolutely. So you
0: know what? Let me
1: explain something to you. I I don't even mean to put my business out
0: there. Go
1: ahead. I took a leap of faith Uh and took a job that I ended up getting let go from. Okay. And that job left me jobless. And I sat here in my home trying to figure out how am I gonna pay next month's rent? Yeah. Because this is good this got a little hair. This got a little hairy. <laughs> <laughs> this got a little hairy. So let me explain something to you. I'm gonna explain to you how good God is. So this girl called me and said, I'm getting evicted. Now, mind you, I don't even know how I'm paying my rent for the next month. But guess what I did? I gave her the money so that she didn't get evicted.
0: I just want to say to the viewers that my mouth just dropped. So, it's a lot of suspense going on in here. Yes, I want to nice. know what happens next.
1: So, i tell you how good God is. Listen to
0: him. Listen to him.
1: I prayed. I was always been a prayer. Always. I pray every day. I walk in the street and I see a homeless person in the street and I pray for them. I just pray. I'm a prayer warrior. I just like to pray. Okay. I like to talk to God all the time. So, I sat in my bed, and I told God, I don't want to lose my apartment. I don't know where I'm getting the money from. I'm just going to trust in your leadership, and I'm going to trust in your faith. I'm going to have faith in you that everything's going to be okay. And here's where the plot thickens a little bit.
0: The plot twist.
1: So, before this girl, I had another girlfriend.
0: Wait a minute. You sound like you pimping a little bit. I'm
1: not. I'm okay. not. I'm not. I'm not.
0: Cause I think chefs get a lot of love because y'all talk we to do. people through their
1: stomach. We do, we do, we do, we do, we do. Okay, but go ahead,
0: back
1: to the story. So this girl, she ended up being crazy and I ended up breaking that I ended up breaking the relationship with her. But here's what the crazy part is, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Here's the crazy part about So <laughs> So I ended up helping her not to get evicted. Now I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna pay my rent. And I sat in bed, and I was like, yo, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to do. I don't know what's going on. I see you trying to restructure my life. I see you trying to make me anew, but give me a vision. Tell me what I need to do. Every day that week, I got a message on my phone. I'm not lying to you. I'm not BSing. I don't want you to call me crazy. No, I no, will no. show you the text messages. It's, it's that crazy. Every day that week, I got a text message from my boy with a scripture. Every day. Of something different every day. And he
0: didn't know what
1: you were going through. No. He had no idea. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But God sends people to to talk to you. Right. So he was sending me messages through him. And what's so crazy about it is this guy sends me messages every day of scriptures. And I ignore them. I had like over like 50 of them at one point. Never read one of them. One day, I updated my phone. I had over 300 and something text messages I didn't read. Mm-hmm. One day, it just cleared. I didn't have any text messages. I just had one text message, right? So he sent me another text message with a, with a scripture. Again, didn't read it. Just ignored them. For some reason, I just started reading them, and they gave me messages message every day. I'm here for you. I'm always going to be here. Just trust me. Next day, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going through this. But trust me, I'm here. Next day, this person's going to come around, these things are going to happen, and this is what's going on. Next day. But something different every day. Yeah. But it was relative to what I was going through.
0: Right.
1: So, again, keep going, keep going, keep going, right? I get to the end of the week and I'm like, bruh, God, you know, uh, I get it. (laughs) But uh, I ain't seen no change then. Boom, the very next day, I get a call from my ex-girlfriend. Yo, what's going on? How are you? How's everything going? Uh, I don't know why I'm calling you. I don't know what you're going through, but I just feel like you're going through something. Is everything okay? I'm just like, wow, that's kind of crazy. You know this girl brought me over an envelope for $1,000. See what I'm talking? $1,000. Favor. To pay my rent. But here's the crazy part about it. Where most people get scared and cry and they get down on themselves and they're just like, wow, like why me? Oh my god. I was excited. Like I was like, wow, yo, this this yo, I'm excited for what's coming next because I know something crazy is about to come next. So I'm sitting in I'm sitting in the little room, and I'm like, I'm getting inside, I'm smiling from ear to ear. Like every day I'm smiling from ear to ear because any normal person would be like, yo where the hell is this money coming from? I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what am I doing? What do I need to do? Like, they're panicking. I got so much faith in God and how he structures himself and how he moves himself that I got excited. I was the total opposite. And I kept... It was so crazy that I couldn't even put into words like my excitement. I, I was just saying words but didn't know how to explain it to you that what I was going through. I can only show you. Yes. You know what I mean? And, um... Again, long story short, like I my, my rent was paid, yes, like you know what I mean, and my cable was paid, my lights were paid, and it was so crazy. I got a phone call: your lights gonna be shut off at, on the eighth if you don't pay. I'm just like, yo, how is it gonna happen? I woke up the next day. I had company coming from out of town, and my lights was off. Yeah. Guess what it was? Oh. It was a power outage. Oh, the
0: was it wasn't that. Uh, yes, God is good. I'm
1: like. I dodged one. And then it went on again, though. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? God talked to me. Just tell me what I need to do. And it came back up.
0: There and it is. I
1: was is. like, you know what? You are awesome, man. Like, like, what is it, bro? Like, why do you keep blessing me? I don't even deserve it. Why do you keep blessing me? You know what I mean? But then you have to think back to all of the things and all the blessings that you bestowed upon everybody else Other around people. you. And I'm talking about I'm ran I randomly bless people. I can see a homeless person in the street, and I might have just finished my meal from somewhere else, and I give it to them. Cool. I see a person in the street, and I'm in the car, and they're passing my car, and they're asking for money right the 440, ten dollars. It's random acts of kindness that you give out that come back to you each and every time, and you just don't know it. But I know God's gonna bless me in a way I've never been blessed before, but yeah it's that's the story stick it to
0: it i love that i love that i love that
1: it's kind of crazy but yeah it happened to me it's still happening but I i even got a i even got a call today for an interview for a big company which i was not expecting for more money than i've ever made in my life
0: so when are you going on your interview
1: on Thursday at 6 p.m.
0: So I want to ask all the listeners to say their prayers for Please you do. on what's the date? Thursday, this Thursday? Thursday? Thursday. At what time?
1: 6 p.m.
0: We might have to have a special a little, prayer. little prayer time Absolutely. for Executive Chef Absolutely. Courtney Harris. Please do. Okay. Please do. And then that will, you know, pay it forward because God will bless you too. Absolutely. For pray for somebody else. And I have to say, yours. I've been following you on social media for some time now. Have you? And outside of chefing, there are two things that seem to really get you going. Yes. One is your sneaker habit, yes. <laughs> and two is your love of cigars. Yes. You seem like you're like an aficionado. Like that's your thing. Well, I wouldn't call myself
1: an aficionado, but I okay. do have a love for cigars.
0: Where'd it come from?
1: I was trying to be big boss one day, and smoked the big boys like everybody else, and choked on it.
0: <laughs>
1: and just decided to keep smoking. Her. Okay. And then it just became a passion. I just learned how to do it. And I learned what they meant. I learned the taste. I learned the why we're smoking this one. I learned the maduros from the. Was that maduro? Yeah. Oh,
0: it's like maduros.
1: That's yeah. like isn't it? That... It's a it's a darker. To, it's a, it's the way they planted tobacco. It's the way they uh, they age their tobacco. And tobacco is aged like fine wine and scotch and things like that. That's why they pair very well because they're aged.
0: Now, this is cool because, you know, I'm always about talking points, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think I need to be an expert in any topic, but I don't ever want to be with a group of people And be the one girl who has no idea what they're talking about. It's like double dutch, right? I'm trying to get in the conversation. Absolutely. I'm trying to get in there. Wait. (laughs) wait, wait, I don't even know where to start, right? So let's talk about cigars for a minute. Absolutely. I'm on a date. Mm Mm-hmm. He's in a, you know, he likes cigars. Absolutely. He takes me to one of those trendy, like, cigar inn on the east side of New York. We're in the little box trying to pick cigars. Mm Mm-hmm. Where do I start? Where do I start the conversation? How do I even pick a cigar? How do I know? Are there flavors?
1: You should ask him, him what is the lightest cigar? The lightest. The lightest cigar I can, because then you go from, you have mild, medium, and full body. Okay. Full body would be the strongest. You do not want to smoke that on your first time because you will turn green. Oh. You want to go for the mildest cigar that you can get. But you usually like the sweeter ones, like uh,
0: chocolate
1: chocolate or um,
0: they have
1: these other ones that are called acids. Those are sweet. They taste a little like cherry. Okay. Those are really good. But you want to go on the lighter side, very light.
0: Is it a taste on your lips of the chocolate? Mm
1: -hmm. You can taste it.
0: Okay, got it. And And now tobacco
1: is not aged as long.
0: So the longer you age the tobacco, the, the stronger, stronger the smoke. Absolutely. Now, if you're, no one's inhaling, why does it matter?
1: If, it, if you're not inhaling, it matters.
0: No, no, no one can, should inhale a cigar, right? You should never inhale Right, a cigar. so no you one's inhaling. Like,
1: but what is, the, what is the first thing you do when you smoke a cigarette?
0: I don't know. I'm not a smoker.
1: Well, the first thing anybody does Brief. when they smoke anything is they inhale.
0: They okay. Then. Right.
1: So that's why if you're smoking cigars for the first time, you want to start it with the lightest. So if you inhale it, it does not affect you as bad as if you was in, if you were to inhale a full body. If you inhale a full body, you will damn near kill yourself.
0: You'll die. Yeah. So the key with the cigar is to puff.
1: Absolutely. Meaning if you, you want to pull in. You pull n- in. Uh huh. And you taste. You blow out. Okay.
0: Now, should cigars be paired with? What, what drink should they be paired with? I,
1: my drink, my preferable drink is a scotch. A, a nice scotch. aged scotch. My favorite scotch is McAllen 18. Okay. It's aged for 18 years. Okay. And of course, the more of age that it is, the better it is.
0: So does it go McAllen 18, 19, 20? Or does it go like McAllen 18, 23, 50, 19? It goes 19. 10,
1: mm-hmm. then 12, then 15, then 18, then 21, then 25 and then you have
0: like a calendar,
1: I forget, it's like a special edition.
0: I see. Yeah. So scotch is the best. To have with a cigar, absolutely.
1: Or okay. wine.
0: Scotch or wine, mm-hmm. so no whiskeys, You can no. have
1: whiskey if you would like, uh, or bourbon. Um, it all depends on the person. Um, some people drink bourbon with their cigars, and some people drink wine with the cigars. My preferability is a Highland scotch, which is what I was displaying. Highland scotches are a little bit sweeter. Um, uh, the more age that you get, it's a little bit more easy on the palate. So when you're tasting the cigar, it pairs well with the sweetness from the scotch to how light it is to the age of your cigar.
0: Now, have you ever smoked the Cuban cigar? I have, indeed. Are you excited about the fact that now you can buy as many as you want I and bring them not, on an airplane?
1: I'll be very honest with you. I'm not a Cuban person. Okay. I don't prefer Cubans. I think because I did not start off smoking actual Cubans, um, their soil and the way they grow their tobacco is just different to me. So I would prefer a Dominican over a Cuban rather than spending my money on something that I was not really accustomed to. It. So that's why I really don't smoke Cubans. Not that they're nasty or anything like that, but people think because you're smoking a Cuban cigar that you're a big dog. But
0: you really are! So, what countries are known for cigars? You just mentioned Dominican Republic. You have
1: Ecuador. Ecuador. You have Cuba, of course. Uh, Dominican Republic. Um, and that's about really all I know. That's, that's really about... the only ones I smoke really. Okay. Yeah, because the, the Ecuadorian cigars are really good. Padron. Um,
0: Padron? Yes. What are some pretty yeah. reputable names well, of cigar companies?
1: La Gloria, um, Padron, Cohiba. Uh, um, There's a lot. There's so, so many. Oh, my okay. goodness. Yeah, it's a lot. If okay. you really want to get into it and you want to try it, I would suggest that you go to a reputable um, cigar lounge, mm-hmm. such as like Cigar Inn or um, any kind of reputable. Is Macanudo
0: pretty reputable? Macanudo is okay.
1: very, uh, very um, reputable. Monte Cristo, very reputable. Um, Nat Sherman, places like that. Okay. Um, go to a place like that. They educate and you. And they will educate you. Right. You're always going to have an aficionado in there. Always. Okay. There's always going to be somebody that worked there for like 25 years or old man that rolls his old cigars, um, and he'll teach you, he'll show you what to start off with. But, you know, um, for all you guys out there that just like smoking to look cool, uh, don't choke yourself.
0: (laughs) Now, your other passion, right?
1: Sneakers.
0: Sneakers. Mm -hmm. Do you have any stock in like Nike? I do. Okay, you do. I have
1: a lot of stock in Nike.
0: How's it doing? I almost just cashed
1: it out. Can you believe that?
0: <laughs> How's it I doing, I it, no. <laughs>
1: no, it's doing very well. Um, I've had Nike stock for about, uh, I want to say a little over eight years now. Um, I bought it because I figured, you know what? If I'm buying all these sneakers, then you know what? I need to repay. You guys need to pay me for buying these sneakers. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. Of. They don't think smart about what they're doing when they, and just invest in it. When you buy sneakers, it's an investment. If you think about it, you're paying all this money to have these sneakers in your home or to wear these sneakers the first day you wear them, and you're not getting anything for it. You're just going to work every day and... You're getting a your check and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to spend $200 on my sneakers because I worked hard for it. Well, let your sneakers work hard for you. So I decided eight years ago that I would buy, start off with $30. And yeah, it's doing very, very well.
0: Now let me ask you, did Nike have some really good years? Like what were some of the really good years and maybe what were some of the products that you remember the that years, they released that create great years?
1: The best years for me, because you know that Nike is affiliated with Jordan. Yes. Um. So, the best years started when LeBron came to the game, then Kobe. So, you have those eras where the biggest year thus far for me.
0: As far as return, on investment.
1: Um, when Kobe retired. Really? Yep.
0: So, his shoes went up in value, which Absolutely. then reflected. Because everybody's his-
1: buying Kobe's now. Why? Because Kobe is retiring. I see. So it reflects in what's what's going on, what happened, what was released, how many of it was released, um, why was it released? Quick strikes. What kind of quick strikes were there?
0: Um, what's a quick strike?
1: Quick strike would be something that is just released of a certain amount of one sneaker that you can only get maybe or maybe not. So it might be there's what? How many people in the, in America? Eighty
0: eight, 8 million? 8 million something Eighty million? Like,
1: Eighty million? I eight, don't know. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. But they might only be just like five hundred thousand. So the the chances the chances of-, of you actually getting one is very slim. So if you can get a quick strike, then you're doing something good.
0: Now as an investor in Nike, do they have calls where you get the cutting edge of what's happening next? Or yes, do you get you little get, you investor get,
1: um, you get um,
0: uh, letters, newsletters or anything like that?
1: I wouldn't call it newsletters, but you get like it's like like having an app. You get updates on what's coming out. You that's but that's about it
0: though. I mean that's about it. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Yeah,
1: like it's like anything else when you invest in you. They give you an update on what you where you are now, what's
0: happened in the last year, and all that good stuff. And that's about it. That quarterly report exactly. But I think there are so many people who don't know. Like I don't have any true stock invested in because invest. I think Nike's considered blue chip. It like is. you can depend on it to just keep going. Absolutely, twenty because years secret. from now, your kids can benefit Absolutely. from Nike stock. You know, Absolutely. it's not going anywhere.
1: I would right now if I was you, if I were you, I would invest in Adidas and I would invest in either or Nike. Reason why is because you have Kanye who now is in Adidas, and Adidas revenue has skyrocketed in the last two years.
0: So let me ask you: When you purchased your first Nike stock, mm-hmm. how much was one stock option? How's that work? One per stock? How do you say it?
1: I stock cost. I, I don't even know. I just invested thirty dollars.
0: So okay. To invest. Do you know how much stock you got for one for how for many 30. shares you received for thirty dollars? I don't remember how many shares I received at that at that, time, at that particular time. Do you know how much one share is worth right now? Or last time you checked, Mm-mm. <laughs> no. I just know how much I, know I have. It's I just on, know how much money.
1: It's on the rise. I just know how much money I have, which is a lot. But it's on the rise. It's definitely been on the rise since then. And it was so crazy. Like I did it unknowingly. Like, it's like I'm just going to figure it just out. Yeah, do yeah, it. I'm just going to do it.
0: So what you're saying is basically more people in my hood need to invest in Nike or
1: Adidas or, or Hennessy. Anything.
0: You know what? Or, I put what are you the like other things people really like waste this. Their
1: money on. If you if you waste your money on it, invest in it. Why right. not? If you're if you're going in, if you are always shopping at February twenty one, why not have stock in it? If it has stock in it, if it has stock options, invest in it. Why not? Right. Because it's going to make you money somehow, some way.
0: You hear that, you scammers? <laughs> you hear that? It. You have to. Yeah. It's
1: important. It's important to get back what you get.
0: LV is publicly traded. Just for those who don't know, Louis exactly. Vuitton, Hennessy, exactly Remy lovers,
1: invest in it.
0: It's all it's publicly invested. traded. Let
1: your let your work work. Let your money work for you.
0: That's how other folks are doing it.
1: That's how the rich stay richer.
0: That's how they stay richer.
1: I'm not a type of person to
0: boast. We see.
1: Yeah, I'm not even so much to boast, but like. The only the the most expensive thing you'll see on my body is my sneakers. Okay. You won't see anything else that's expensive because I feel like why do I need to invest my money into that Gucci belts and all that? Okay, what are you proving? You wore it and then they saw it and then you're going home and take it off and then what? Right. Is it making you money?
0: You know what's funny? Like, I wonder if people like whipping their children with Gucci belts. <laughs> you know, um, it's just funny. I, would, um, I got whooped with an old country belt. I, I don't know what it was,
1: I, I'm but I remember lie. those beatings I'm, I got. I'm I'm old school. I will beat the absolute daylight out of my kids with a Gucci belt. Absolutely. Mm,
0: mm, mm, mm. Or
1: whatever I get. That's how. I, that's that's how it was with me. My kids are my kids are well behaved now.
0: Right? Because they know
1: exactly. I don't. I never have to tell my kids anything because they just know, and that's what I love about it. I was brought up that way, and nothing was wrong with me.
0: Well, Chef, I got to say, I feel like we have really gotten to know you tonight. Can you tell us what's next for you? Are you working on anything? Is there anything you want to promote? I did walk in and see a few meal prep containers in your kitchen. Talk to us. I'm
1: doing some meal preps at the moment, but my next big move will be a restaurant for myself. Um, I want to revolutionize soul food within itself. I want to miss I want to mix gastronomy with soul food in which I don't really think has been done before I want to show um, our community as a whole that you know what we can do what everybody else does too with our food and um, I want to be able, I want to be the first person to do that I want to be the first person to have a restaurant to be able to do that so yes that's what I'm working on right now Got so, it. Hopefully we can, uh, not hopefully, but I'm going to put this in the air. I'm going to get this done within the next year, two years. I'm going to have my own restaurant, and it's going to be very upscale soul food. Upscale soul food, you know, not in the manner of when you walk in, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to get my mac and cheese and my chicken and waffles. Chicken and waffles might taste like chicken and waffles, but it doesn't even look like chicken and waffles. And that's where I want to, that's the level I want to get at.
0: Now, where can we find you on social media? Because you seem to have a lot of information to impart. You seem to really want to share what's going on with you. I personally have been inspired by a lot that you've told us today. So, where can the listeners find you?
1: You can find me at Chef Courtney Harris on Instagram and Chef Courtney Harris on Facebook.
0: Courtney, C O U
1: R T N E Y. Last name Harris, H A R R I S. Any Snapchat? I do have Snapchat.
0: Is that private? No.
1: I don't think it is. But no, I, really, I mean, like, I is really your
0: go- Snapchat? Because my Snapchat is not necessarily for public consumption. Yeah. Because I Snapchat's get not,
1: crazy. Yeah, my Snapchat's not for public
0: consumption. Mine's is, like, for family and friends who already like get the, me. I be
1: doing, like, the dumbest things on Snapchat.
0: Well, sometimes your viewers want to know. Yeah, no. Nah, now nah, we're going to keep it right. private for now? Yeah, I run. Right. Right. You hear it, folks. You got to be VIP <laughs> to get that chef, Courtney Harris. Snapchat. So we thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Wi-Fi, coffee, and ambition, y'all. Signing out. That was fun. It was. Oh, snap. It stopped right here.